0: Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Lattermillick, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com.
1: And this is Robert Lamb, a science writer for HowStuffWorks.com.
0: <laughs> Today we're talking about helium. Not the kind you find in those balloons.
1: But the kind you find on the moon.
0: Yes, indeed. So let's kick off our podcast today and give our listeners some uh, fun moon facts. I've got one. Can I start? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Where did the moon come from? Outer space. Well, yeah, kind of. So there's this theory, right? Scientists love theories. And this one is their favorite surrounding the moon. It's called the ejected ring theory. It goes like this. A couple billion years ago, there's this massive space collision, two planets, one of which was Earth, and one of which was this uh, this one that came barreling into our neighborhood. They collided, and they, uh, in the resulting smash-up, the remnants of the two planets mixed together, they formed an orbital ring, and that eventually condensed into the Moon. Ta-da!
1: Voila. Well, uh, here's another fact that stems right off of that. It's uh, the Moon and the Earth, as we know them today, are uh, in a gravitational relationship. The moon is trapped in the Earth's gravitational field, orbits around us, but the moon's gravitational pull tugs on the oceans, uh, which creates the tides.
0: Right. And actually, that tug has been um, suggested as one source of energy. Um, so basically, what we would do on uh, on Earth, we'd, be, we'd build these underwater turbines that would take advantage of this uh, natural motion of the tides. And we'd... Um, We'd have these turbines, and we'd generate some electricity from it, basically.
1: Yeah, I've seen some designs that actually involve uh, a a biomimicry. uh, That involve like a basically a giant mechanical shark tail. Uh, You know, the basic idea is that hey, nature came up with this best. We'll mimic this and uh, use that to to um, collect the kinetic energy of the tides.
0: Right It's a pretty neat idea, but a couple of unknowns with this approach like um you know, are barnacles gonna grow on the turbines?
1: Yeah do we do we need to put even more junk on the bottom of our oceans?
0: I think not. so uh, let's talk about helium three instead
1: yeah, helium three uh, and this is basically normal helium as was in my lungs earlier, except there's a one missing neutron
0: and that's a key difference yes. Yeah, pretty key.
1: When I asked for helium three downstairs in the little lobby store, they they had none.
0: They're all sold out because of Judy's fortieth birthday party.
1: Um, that and there's there's virtually none of it. There's very little of it on the uh, on the Earth.
0: Ah, but there's a lot of it on the Moon. Yes, or at least much, much more of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, why?
1: Well, helium three forms when cosmic rays bombard helium four, which is produced naturally through the fusion through fusion in the sun. All right. So the sun's pumping this stuff out. Um, our gravitational field and our atmosphere repel mm-hmm. this stuff from entering the Earth's atmosphere. So what little of it there is on Earth has been here for just ages and ages. It's ancient stuff, and it's, like I say, there's very little of it. The moon, however, no atmosphere to speak of. It's just up there collecting this stuff age after age. So, uh, you know, we reach a, a point where where we have you know, very little here but just uh, massive reserves on the moon.
0: Yeah, so there's like a mother load up there.
1: Yeah, we're talking 1 million tons of it on the moon. Wow. And uh, to put that in perspective, they say that the amount of energy stored in that uh, deposit is roughly 10 times that stored in fossil fuels on Earth.
0: Right, so helium-3 is awesome for nuclear fusion reactions. I mean, that's what we're really interested yeah. in. And what's more, it it represents an improvement on nuclear fusion reactions that we've undertaken in the past.
1: To remind everybody, nuclear fusion is the process where you take two elements, you combine them, and uh, it produces a new element and energy, and the energy being key.
0: Yeah, a lot of energy. It's the same reaction, like Robert said, that fuels our sun. And it's not fission, which is uh, the splitting. Right. I always confuse those two. But fusion, Fuse Fused
1: together. Yeah.
0: Fission, split. Anyway, so when helium three is heated to high temperatures, and you combine it with a, a little deuterium, and deuterium, of course, is an isotope of hydrogen.
1: Right. With that uh, has a, a neutron next to its one proton.
0: You get this huge, huge, huge reaction, and the energy, which is uh, which is pretty much. Our energy dreams. This is the stuff of our energy dreams. This is the stuff that would make oil be gone and helium-3 rock on. You get nuclear fusion. I mean, this is what they're gunning for at the National Ignition Facility, but they just really haven't been able to generate um, a nuclear fusion reaction in a controlled fashion, in a safe fashion, or on a Mm commercial-scale fashion like they would with this helium-3.
1: Yeah, like, um, theoretically, you could could perform the same uh, reaction, a similar reaction with tritium. But uh, one of the byproducts of that is a just a whole boatload of radiation. Yeah.
0: So helium three tends to be cleaner, and it doesn't seem to pose a danger to running. Right. Far areas.
1: less radiation produced.
0: Well, what don't they like about it though?
1: Well, uh, there is the whole fact that it's mostly on the moon. Like I said, <laughs> what what small amounts we have on Earth is sufficient for tests and uh, you know horsing around in a laboratory, but not so m- much actually like gearing up for full on production. Uh, and speaking of production. We can make helium-3, mm-hmm. but we produce it as a byproduct of creating nuclear warheads. So that's not exactly an ideal situation either. And again, it doesn't produce large quantities.
0: And then there's the fact that we really haven't mastered the moon and back journey quite yet from a you know safety or efficiency perspective. I mean, people have been known to die on these trips. And efficiency-wise, it's not clear uh, that we'll be getting out more than what we put in. Yeah, I mean venture. that's the
1: thing. You have to be able to justify going to the moon and bringing this stuff back, and uh, and it's actually uh, there's more involved. It's not just simply landing the vessel, getting out the shovel, uh, and throwing you know some rocks into the into the lunar vehicle and returning.
0: And it, incidentally, that's how we know that there is exactly yeah helium three on the moon is because what's his uh, the astronaut Harrison Schmidt stuffed his uh, pockets, his astronaut suit <laughs> full of lunar rocks, and then we got around to analyzing them, and woe and behold, there was a ton of helium three
1: it <clears> kind of makes it sound like world. you shoplifted them or something but
0: yeah i don't think you can shoplift from the moon because it's the property of all mankind
1: ah uh, we'll get to that in a second
0: we will get to that in a second
1: but um but yeah to to bring to bring it back from the moon first of all to uh to mine it you'd have to create some pretty high temperatures Uh we're talking like 600 degrees celsius to 900 degrees celsius to uh to extract it from the soil and remove some of the impurities, and then you're going to have to further refine the stuff um, because right, on, it doesn't
0: just come ready made.
1: Right, it comes in uh, roughly 13 parts per billion in the lunar soil. So there's a there would be a lengthy mining and refining process that would have to take place on the moon. And I mean, what do we have up there right now? Why
0: does it have to take place on the moon?
1: Well, because. Otherwise, we got to bring all that unrefined, like moon rock.
0: So it's a matter of space. Yeah, really. it's a matter
1: of space. I mean, if we build a, I mean, we couldn't even build a space elevator to the moon. But I mean, yeah, it's 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 the only feasible way to, to go about it is to to refine it there and bring back the goods, you know. And of course, up there on the moon right now, what we have a flag, a few you know some chunks of lunar vehicles sitting golf around. ball or two, golf ball or two. Yeah, because Alan Shepard hit a golf ball off of it.
0: Yeah, that's one six of the iron. proudest
1: moments in. Uh, in human history
0: <laughs> and then there's the other uh question of our fusion reactors really aren't quite up to the task yet
1: right yeah we're 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 talking you know theoretical stuff and and you know early schematics and designs at this point and uh and nobody's going to build you know try and build one of these things if we don't have uh the fuel to to run and make it you know earn its keep
0: so the i mean the helium three that does exist up there uh, is Whoo, it's monumental in terms of money. In terms of the monetary value. High street
1: value, yeah.
0: High street value for Helium 3, no doubt. And um, a lot of people are, a lot of people want it. Who wants it?
1: Um, Everybody. I mean, obviously the United States is interested. NASA's expressed an interest in it.
0: China has definitely expressed a very vocal interest. India, Russia, Mm -hmm. a couple of private corporations out there I think are also in on the helium three race because which- we're
1: talking about the, the future of energy production on the planet, and as well as the the possibilities for uh, the further uh, exploration of our uh, solar system, uh, because you know you mine it up there on the moon, and the moon is also um, an ideal launching uh, pad, an ideal base camp, if you will, for uh, for further exploration. Uh, right, less of an escape velocity, et cetera.
0: Yeah, NASA outlined its whole. Um- it's numerous numerous I think it has like 200 lunar exploration objectives and this clearly helium3 was one of them as well as utilizing other um, lunar resources. There's a whole tab devoted to it in its spreadsheet and it, it could get pretty competitive up there. I mean this could be we could be talking about the the gold rushes of the 19th century only on the moon and for helium three.
1: The helium three rushes
0: the helium three rushes Yeah so they it's not really clear who owns the moon.
1: So who owns the moon?
0: Well, nobody really owns the moon, per se, because the U.N. says so.
1: Oh, well, well, that clears it up. No, (laughs) no, but seriously, that's...
0: now there's this moon treaty that they wrote up in 1979 that essentially does say the moon is, uh, the moon and its related uh, resources are the property of, quote unquote, the common heritage of mankind.
1: And of course, it's one thing to say that, you know, then or even now, when nobody's up there right now, um, they're... We're not exactly hitting the moon a lot or, or, or have the wherewithal to mine and refine anything. So, uh, but once
0: people do get up, right?
1: Yeah. Once the technology catches up with us, I could see this becoming much more of a pressing issue.
0: Right. And who's going to abide by the treaty, right? It's not like some of the nations are that good at abiding by existing treaties. Now. Anyone, anyone?
1: Yeah, this is true.
0: So when are we talking about?
1: Well, it depends, uh, (laughs) depends when you're looking into the future. Um, and then who's doing the, uh, the, uh, the imagining? Because uh, I've read some articles where um, China was supposed to be up there right now. Maybe they are. Their, well, maybe they are. Yeah. They just
0: haven't reported it yet.
1: Maybe. But <laughs> I mean, so in theory, yeah, China was planning to be up there already. Um, I,
0: I've, I've also heard 2025.
1: Yeah, and that I think I saw, I saw um, yeah, 2050 something, something. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of up in the air.
0: So to wrap this up.
1: So, yeah, um, until any of this uh, comes to fruition, we uh, we have the whole tidal thing to fall back on.
0: Yeah, we do. Yeah. We and, do. Uh,
1: and I also think uh, werewolves is a big possibility because, as we all know, the full moon changes people who suffer from lycanthropy into werewolves. And who's to say that that process doesn't give off a spare proton, right?
0: No doubt, no doubt indeed.
1: I think we should look into that.
0: Yeah, if you're not interested in uh, the Werewolf Prospect, or if you are interested in the Werewolf Prospect, or the Moon or Helium 3, head on over to HowStuffWorks.com because we have plenty for you to read. We also have a pretty cool blog over at uh, Blogs.HowStuffWorks.com, and that's called Science Stuff. So check it out, guys, and thanks for listening. More on this and thousands of other topics. Visit howstuffworks.com. Want more how stuff works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage.